You're tuned in to this week's edition of Socially Athletic with your host, Connor Creedon. Connor and the guests look to discuss the various aspects of sports media in Division Three athletics. As a D3 athlete, he's watched live sports broadcasting and social media play a huge role in creating a better fan and athlete experience. Welcome to Socially Athletic. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Socially Athletic, the sports media podcast. I'm, of course, your host, Connor Creedon, and with me today, we have a very special guest. Some of you here at Piedmont might know, but for those who don't, I have Dr. Joe Dennis in the building here. He's a radio show host, currently the announcer for the UGA Ice Dogs hockey team. He's also the associate professor and co-chair here in the Department of Mass Communications and a journalist. Dr. Dennis, I'm very glad to have you on the show. How are we doing today? I'm doing great, Connor. Thanks so much for inviting me. Yes, thank you for being here too. And I guess the main reason, obviously you have a great resume of things to talk about, but one of the things that I recently just learned about you was the fact that you're a former Division Three Sports Information Director, and that was at North Central College out there in Illinois. Yes. Uh, it's funny, when you told me about your podcast, I was really fascinated because that's an aspect of my life that was a while ago. But I'll tell you what, it was one of the most fun jobs I ever had. But North Central College is a college in Naperville, Illinois, and it reminds me so much of Piedmont. In fact, when uh, Dr. Van Canfert first interviewed me for a job here and I visited Piedmont's campus back in 2015, it right away reminded me of North Central College. Um, it's a Division three school, and they have a lot of athletic programs, just like we did, just like we do here at Piedmont. And I went there as an undergraduate, and then worked in the sports information office. And it was one of those kind of right place, right time things. My boss, who was the first sports information director at North Central, he had gotten his dream job to be a assistant sports information director at the University of Illinois. So he moved on. So they were kind of stuck like, well, who do we know? Who do we know that knows Cardinal athletics? They, they were the Cardinals. And so I had just graduated. So they called me and, and I did that job for about two and a half years. That's great. That sounds awfully similar to uh, Davis Barlow, who's now back here um, working with Daniel Percival in the sports information department here. But that's interesting because I never really I know you're big into the journalism, radio and all that. But I had never known um, you were, you know, had gotten the, really the foot in the door with uh, working there in the sports information department. Um, I know you said it's similar to Piedmont. When you look at Piedmont today, what would you say is one of the main differences in how things were done then versus how they are now in terms of media? I am so impressed with Piedmont Athletics and Danielle and Davis and Joseph and the the show they put on. <laughs> I call it the show. Um, it's it's amazing and all the student help they have and organizing things. I honestly don't know how they do it because when I was sports information director and this would would have been the years nineteen ninety eight to two thousand ish around then to to late mid summer of two thousand. Uh, we didn't have social media. And honestly, the internet was kind of just creeping along. I mean, of course, the internet was there, but most people still had dial-up internet. So broadcasting games over the rate, over the uh, internet, whether it was audio or, there was no video, but even audio, that wasn't much of a thing. 
at that time. So really, my focus was on the traditional news outlets and a lot of writing. And, you know, we put together media guides and mailed them out. And actually, you'll laugh at this, but faxing after every game, (laughs) we would fax um, all the box scores and everything to the Chicago Tribune, Chicago, you know, all the all the major media outlets there um, with hopes that they'll uh, mention us in their newspaper. Okay. Wow, man. See, I had, I know fat. I mean, I remember faxing from when I was like, I'd play around with the machine <laughs> once my mom was kind of, it was during that time where it, I guess she at home kind of got rid of faxing, but I think about that and I'm thinking, man, that's crazy. Cause for now, I mean, I know when I worked those games here at Piedmont, they'll bring you a piece of paper, but that's pretty much the only thing, you know, tangible in your hands that you really have to share anything. Um, when it comes to it these days, which is really interesting. So they still give you a piece of paper? Yeah, they'll when you're still broadcasting? do. Yeah, so they'll bring like the stats, you know, for I guess whatever the first, uh, it'll be that quarter. Or sometimes they have those media timeouts. They'll bring you an update on a paper with the stats. Ah, but yeah. So, see, so that is what we did. So, for example, basketball games, well, that's the, that's the easiest to think about. So I would run as sports information director, I was in charge of the press table. So I was in charge of making sure we had an announcer, um, and and it was a student, a broadcasting student who did a phenomenal job, professional radio broadcaster now. Um, But we had an announcer. We had, uh, I was the stat guy, so I would work on a computer to record all the stats. I had a caller who would basically watch the game and would be repeating numbers. So it would be like 23, pass to number three, Pass to number four, two-point shot, miss, rebound, defense, number 72. So that's ba- – and then I would be entering that all into this program that would get the stat sheets out. Man. And then at halftime, we would do that. We had a printer at the table, and I would print out the stats and give that to the coaches and the and the and any media that was there. Um, and yeah, that was our that was our job. And then of course we had a scoreboard operator too at the press table. Mm-hmm. It's cool to see because I mean when I sometimes when I've been working over there with Danielle Percival and all of them, I have kind of I've come down to the table and because sometimes they just need whatever they need or whatever. But same type of thing where it's cool to see how really that like you just mentioned hasn't changed. Danielle will be typing it in. Davis is over there yelling out the stuff, and obviously there's other student workers doing the scoreboard and everything like that. But it's cool to see how. The combination of both everything down at the scores table, it seems like it has always really been that way because that's what works. And then you have um, usually if I'm up there doing the broadcast, you know, you see somebody walking up the stairs with all the papers with the updates to everyone who's working the camera, you know, the laptop, um, the radio soundboard and all that type of stuff. So that's what I find interesting is because it does seem like uh, that part's similar. Yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. Where that's pretty much the same. But um, of course, when you look at it nowadays, everything is so different from a sharing standpoint. Yes, absolutely. And that's the, after the game, it's probably where uh, the job differed significantly. So taking basketball again. So after the game, finalize the stats, give them to the coaches, to any media that's there, and then write up a, you know, a game recap, which I know they still do. So Mm -hmm. they do that. Um, And then I would fax out the stats, the game recap and the stats to about 12, I think, media outlets that we had. And um, and then my day was done. Oh, and then we did have a website at the time. Um, and again, it was brand new. 
I would just update the score. Like we had the schedule and then, you know, you, you could put the score mm-hmm. when games have been played. That's the only thing I did on the website. Wow. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, and, and that's where it really has definitely adjusted from there. Cause most things, even the write-ups, everything like that is mostly going on the website. Um, and of course you look at every sport here now, at least has their own Instagram and Twitter account. Oh, it's man. all run through the website. So it's definitely crazy to see probably, you know, over the course of, you said that was 1998 to 2000, I mean, 20-plus 20, 20 years, how things have changed. In that, in your time there at um, North Central College, could you have foreseen any of these changes really coming in the future? I don't know necessarily if that was discussed there, but was there any sort of, you know, look to, oh, wh- you know, how will things progress in the future in terms of um, long-term, you know, media usage? Interesting. You know, I don't think anyone saw social media coming. I knew the internet was going to become bigger and bigger. And in fact, I remember uh, one time uh, someone from one of the Chicago newspapers came to the game and I was, of course, elated. And he had his computer and then he asked me, um, where can I plug this in, you know, and for the modem so I could uh, upload my story? And I was just blown away. I'm like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Because, of course, Wi-Fi wasn't a thing. Uh-huh. And so we figured out, he's like, yeah, I just need a phone line. So we, we figured out how to set them up. And so I saw that and like, huh, that's interesting. So now reporters are coming to games and they could write their story right there instead of running back to the office. I'm like, that's cool. But in terms of live streaming games over the Internet uh, or, or of, and all the social media that promotes games and, and tells the stories about games, I never anticipated that. But I think it's a great thing. Yeah, I think it's definitely done. It seems like at least what I've been doing with uh, some of the research that I've been conducting while um, working on this podcast has kind of been where that is where the modern world at this time is really falling to. So if you do want to gain attention um, and at least, you know, share news where people will indulge in it, it most likely will be on that social media. And that spans as far as even my grandparents when, you know, they'll see a tweet or something, Instagram post about Piedmont Athletics and it's crazy to think because, I mean, they still sit there and read the newspaper, but if they're going to go get <laughs> something about, you know, Piedmont Division Three Athletics, they're going to have to get it online, which I think is pretty interesting how that's involved uh, because at the same time, like we mentioned, everything um, from a production value down on the floor is exactly what it has been, but everything spans much further from that now. Yeah, it's, and I think it's a great thing for Division Three athletics and Division Three athletes because just like – the the same in terms of big media you know the same kind of things apply we're not going to get on espn north central is not going <laughs> to get on espn although they did play their they played in the national division three national championship college football game oh wow that was on espn okay but, cool <laughs> but outside of that you know they're not getting any coverage there so it's really a great way for fans and parents and athletes to you know, learn about these teams and recruits and alumni and everyone because you can put that media directly out there. You don't need that middle man to reach the public. 100%. And also at the same time, a lot of this with for you pages and things like that, algorithms that suggest different things, someone who might typically not even be looking for Piedmont athletics or Division three athletics as a whole, you know, may see something pop up. And if the value looks good, I mean, a lot of these graphics are done through uh, different servers and things like that, programs where you can pay and basically plug in stuff and it looks great. I mean, everything looks like high dollar when it comes to um, Division Three athletics, at least what I've seen in the promotion side of things. So 
like you mentioned, recruits and everything like that, I feel like it does really make a difference seeing how involved uh, the athletic program is online because, again, most people probably know, oh, we're not going to, I'm not, if I go there, I'm not going to be anywhere, you know, nationally televised. But at the same time, I know I have my game being broadcasted. There are people commenting on it and, uh, you know, comment commentating on the game, sharing different stats and information about me and my teammates that at the end of the day, it is basically exactly pretty much the same thing. And in my, in my opinion, maybe it's a little biased, but in my <laughs> opinion, I, I think it's cooler that way because, I mean, you're listening to somebody you know and you have in classes with, you've done projects with, you know, another student and a friend who's sitting there, you know, hyping it up and running through your game. So I think that part is really cool because that's something where, yeah, you won't get on national TV, but at the same time, most people at bigger Division One schools aren't going to have their friends commentating on the games either. Yeah, it's it's really amazing, and it's so great that we do that here at Piedmont. And people need to know that's not something all Division Three schools do. I know my where I work, they do that now as well. Um, but not all D3 schools do it that way. And so Piedmont athletes are really lucky that, that we do do that. Yeah, I definitely think that that is the way that, at least what it seems like through research, most Division Three schools, I think COVID really um, kind of opened up the portal to say, oh, you know, other schools have been doing this. And now if we don't have, you know, we have games being played, but fans not allowed in attendance, at the same time, that kind of makes some people unhappy. They can't view, you know, their kids, their family, their friends playing and stuff like that. So I think COVID has been a big factor of uh, motivating other Division three schools to kind of make that jump because as complicated as it seems like before I really got acquainted with it, it's really not all that crazy to make, you know, one of those investments. You have the computer, the little streaming box, and from there, get a few mics and equipment, and, and you can really have that longevity for a while. Right. It's it's really amazing how easy, relatively easy it is. Now, broadcasting, as you know, Connor, because I'm sure you've done it, it's a little more difficult than it, it appears. Oh, yeah. But but, um, but that's great, providing opportunities for our students here to, to learn that skill. Um, it's just, I'm just really happy with, with uh, what we have to offer. And I, I love the job Danielle does. It's really amazing to me how she puts it all together. And one of the things I also do like that they still include is the radio broadcast. Now, did you mention that, would you guys broadcast over the radio or would it be more uh, like just written like you had said? We did have, uh, so our broadcasting major um, had sports uh, casting, just like we do here at Piedmont. And so they would broadcast uh, many of the games, the home games. Mm-hmm. So there was there was that element of broadcast, but never anything external. It was always like our own broadcasting crew. Uh, but then it was very different, again, how they they had to, since there was no Wi-Fi or, or anything like that, they would have to um, have like this ma- massive tower that they would put outside the arena, for example, and, you know, it would connect with the station. I don't know all the uh, engineering <laughs> stuff that goes into it, but uh-huh. it, w- it was a different kind of setup than it is now. Yeah, and that's uh, the one thing I do like about the fact that we still use the radio station so frequently here is because in that sportscasting class, yes, you have the, the live stream broadcast going on, but also you have two other students on the other side of things, you know, doing it the, I guess what now you want to call the older-fashioned way of, they're sitting there, plug the phone line into the the uh, the board, and you can do it that way too. So that's where I think uh, a lot of what interests me about you know sports media today is like we've kind of been discussing is kind of the flexibility of like everything, and it all comes together into one. So no matter how high tech or 
basic you want to keep it if it works it works which i think is pretty interesting considering it's it really covers a lot of different spectrums but at the same time that's good for spreading the word on things where typically division three sports not might not be that talked about so much yes and i, I gotta tell you you know even uh, the live stream broadcast having announcers is great but there's a big difference between uh, broadcasting, announcing something where your viewers have a visual and announcing something where there is no visual for your listeners because really then you, you're trying to paint a picture. And uh, it's, it's a different skill. It's a tough skill. I actually am very bad at it because <laughs> I tried it when I was a student. The only thing I could do okay was baseball mm-hmm. because of all the, you know, there's a lot of stop, yeah. stoppages mm-hmm. in baseball. But Boy, I, I give I give much props to to students who are able to broadcast a basketball game, a soccer game, things like that, because because uh, I learned firsthand how tough that is. Yeah, and that's where we learn from DVC for the most part. Uh, you if you're going to get into broadcasting, starting on the radio is better because you really do have to kind of really make yourself find a way to fill that space and illustrate the whole game, like you said. And that's where I guess. Nowadays, it's great that we have that live stream opportunity, but I still think it is pretty cool because you can tell, especially we mentioned Brett Loftus all the time, but you can tell he started out, you know, doing stuff on the radio. And some of these guys that have been, and everybody really, who has really, you know, stepped it up with this broadcasting, I think, I know Chad Hall is still working over there. So you can tell they got involved on radio and really learned the craft from there because from that point, everybody does want to actually see the game if they can. So Mm -hmm. that makes it that much better. Right. But it's still a very radio is still a very relevant industry, and it's good that we got these skills. I mean, you look at uh, Sirius XM and the amount of money they pay. I don't know off the top of my head, but you know they pay millions of dollars for the rights to broadcast. You know, professional sports. They have all all the four major leagues, and then college sports as well. Division one teams, of course, football, basketball. They have deals with all the conferences. Um, because there's a lot of people that can't watch the game because they're driving or, you know, they're uh, truckers, you know, <laughs> whatever the, the job is. Or they're just, you know, they, they're working and they can't watch something while they're working, but they like to listen to the game. Yeah, and it's still where that outreach, like I said, put everything together. And it's really, at this point, Division Three, and I know you said other schools are still have to, you know, maybe catch up or are developing that sort of department. But at least for us here at Piedmont, and then, of course, like you mentioned, at North Central College, it's great that all of this can come together and really create a product that no matter how you want to view it or listen to it or just overall engage with it, you still have an opportunity to do so, which I think is going to continue to grow in the future. If One last question. If you had sure. to think for the future, where do you see sports media going as a whole? It <laughs> seems like the options are kind of unlimited, but at the same time, I'm saying social media keeps growing every day. I just wonder how much more it's going to change. I laugh, Connor, because I teach a sports communication class here that you took a while yes, back, uh, intro-level class, and that was a question on uh, one of the prompts that I posed my students, and I actually, just before I walked in here, I was grading those, <laughs> and so I have a lot of ideas. So I, I won't tell you what I think. I'll tell you what several um, mostly freshmen okay, think. Okay, great. And, it, and they have a better insight into me. Um, one of them, the, or rather than I do, one of them had talked, well, a few people talked about VR. Okay, yeah. And the role virtual reality might play in watching sports. And wow, if you think of that, how, Connor, how cool would it be if you wear a headset and you could feel like you're right there on the field? Yeah, that'd I mean, be incredible. Whew. 
Incredible. <laughs> so that, that's one area. A lot of people also had talked about how we are we already see how sports media is kind of moving away from traditional cable TV um, for the big things. Uh, but we t- they talked about more like involvement on TikTok mm-hmm. and maybe TikTok actually starting to live stream games, yeah. you know, or a, or a new yet to be discovered social media platform. So who knows? But it's I'm along for the ride and I'll enjoy 100%. it. One hundred percent. And one thing that that reminds me of is Twitch, how they ah. live stream, you know, mostly esports and and you know, individual streamers, you know, producing their own streams and their own games. But I know. I think they did it with soccer a few years back where they've tried to at least get the ball rolling with Twitch and that that live chat audience is something where I think trying to target that because at the same time that could really turn into something big time if yes you have Twitch and a lot of people I mean millions of people use Twitch every day so have that live chat experience you know with fans maybe other fans of other teams create engagement like that which keeps people around on the stream I think there's a lot of possibilities for what could happen. Man, Danielle's going to need a lot more help. <laughs> <laughs> they might need to get another person over there. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, Dr. Dennis, I greatly appreciate it. We'll wrap it up with that. Thank you for sharing the thoughts and the experiences. It was great to have you on the show. Of course. Great job, Connor. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, sir. This has been Socially Athletic, the sports media podcast. Follow to stay up to date on episodes with new guests each week. Thank you for listening and make sure to check out the blog link below for more insight.